we got a show for you today. We're talking college football, college basketball, and NFL. And in the past two weeks, we've missed so much. It's insane what we've missed, and we got to get right into it right now. Let's get into it with the college football. Championship weekend is ahead of us, so let's get right into it. we got to recap a couple weeks because big games happen, and then we hop into this week with championship weekend, the big games. We'll get into that, like I said. So first off, what has happened in the two weeks, man? There's been some upsets. There's been some shakeup in the top four. Obviously, big games have happened. South Carolina's came out of nowhere the last two weeks, taking down some opponents. So let's get right into it with that. South Carolina, two weeks ago, takes down Clemson, excuse me, takes down Tennessee in South Carolina where they scored 63 points on that Tennessee defense. And they also held Hendon Hooker all the way throughout the game. Yes, Hendon Hooker did leave the game without uh, with an injury. He tore his ACL, sadly. So that stinks. But, man, what a game it was for South Carolina. They looked great. They played phenomenal. It was a well-orchestrated game by South Carolina. So that is what is happening. So that is what is happening. I mean, it's going insane. And like what has happened is beyond everything. Uh, we had Hinden Hooker go down, ACL tear. That sets back Tennessee so much right there. And so that's what's really happening right there. And so when that happens, Tennessee loses their chances to get into the playoffs. And then that's how it works. So you have to find a way for Tennessee to bounce back. They obviously won't make the playoffs with that loss because they were at sitting at number five already with the one loss to Georgia. Now they lose two games. It's a very bad setup because they weren't already going to get into the SEC championship. And now they have that problem where they lost there. USC, on the other hand, keeps winning. So with that, it's happening like that where USC just keeps winning and they're moving on and they're getting to the Pac-12 championship. They're setting themselves up for success. Then you moved on to this weekend, this just past weekend, where there were some bigger games as well, where you had uh, the big game, obviously, Michigan headed to Ohio State, where Michigan took care of business. And when I mean they took care of business, folks, they put it on Ohio State. And Ohio State didn't look good in the second half. Now you have Michigan State, or excuse me, Michigan moving to the Big Ten Championship, where now they control their own destiny. They were sitting at number three. Obviously, Ohio State was at number two before this game. And so they put it on Ohio State 42-23. to and it seems like it just felt like Michigan is the more well-balanced team with their defense. For some reason, Michigan, the last two years, even after C.J. Stroud has looked really good throughout all the years, that big game against Michigan, he can't figure out his rhythm. He hasn't found anything. Again, C.J. Stroud threw two interceptions against Michigan this year. He also had the two touchdowns, but still, there was nothing there. You couldn't figure it out. So that's where it's got to figure out for C.J. Stroud. You also have... Uh, uh, J.J. McCarthy, who threw three touchdowns. He also ran for one. And, I mean, that's four total touchdowns for the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. He didn't even play. He wasn't even a starter last year for Michigan. So that's just showing you what's happening right there. And then you had your the best player, I believe, on Michigan's offense, uh, Blake Corum, who only had two rushes because of an injury that was limiting him in this game. He looked like he was soft and he wasn't looking good because of the injury. So he only had two rushes. It just showed that every other player on the offense stepped up with him being injured it's the first win in columbus since 2000 for michigan so it's a huge win there they're like i said they now control their own destiny as they play in the big 10 championship against purdue so that's where they are if they win they're automatically in i think even if they lose they still could get in uh just like georgia i think georgia if they lose they're in 
and we'll get into the TCU and the other team that's in the top four, and we'll figure that out as well. So, but another thing that happened is, so you have Georgia and LSU that have already been determined who's going to be in the SEC, SEC championship, and uh, LSU decides to go to College Station and lose to Texas A&M, folks. They lose to Texas A&M 38-23. It just looks like they were maybe overlooking Texas A&M because Texas A&M has had that bad of a season where no one has really been talking about them good-wise, I should say. They've all been talked about. Poorly and not looked like a team they should be. It's probably one of, if not the biggest disappointing teams of the season in college football. And it just sucks. I mean, when your team, you're a team like LSU, who still had the opportunity as a two-loss team to get into the playoffs because if you win the SEC championship against Georgia, they might think of you as getting in over, say, USC or even uh, TCU. And now you lose, you don't even have that opportunity just because of what's happening right there. So that's where it's going to happen like that. So now they give up 429 yards to a pretty bad Texas A&M offense, and they just couldn't finish drives on offense for LSU. They were 411 on third down, and LSU is just like, like I said, even if they beat Georgia now, they're not going to help themselves by getting into the college football playoffs because they've set themselves back now because of this loss. So, yeah, you can go win and be happy that you won the SEC championship, but you're not getting into the playoffs because of this loss. The only thing you might do is help some other team get in, say Alabama or even Ohio State. But I don't think that's even going to happen because I don't think Georgia with a loss is going to fall out. I think Georgia might fall to three at worst. So that's where I'm sitting with that. And so that's where it, it falls into that category of LSU needed to take care of business against Texas A&M, go to College Station and just take care of business and get out of there with a win. And they didn't even do that. They lost by 15. So that's a horrible, no good loss for LSU. Like I said, South Carolina beat Tennessee two weeks ago. That really set up Tennessee for not getting into the playoffs. And now Tennessee, I mean, excuse me, now South Carolina goes on the uh, the road this time and beats Clemson. So they go back-to-back uh, top 10 wins, which is huge for them. I mean, you think about it, everyone was dead in the water. South Carolina just needs to uh, stick the season away and figure out something about recruiting and all that. And then they go, no, we're going to win. And they win back-to-back games against top uh, 10 opponents. You beat Tennessee at home, and then you go on the road to beat Clemson. Clemson, I know, can be overrated at times, but they're still a top 10 team for a reason, and they beat them. So, I mean, now you set up two teams not to get in, thanks to South Carolina. South Carolina goes goes to beat or goes to beat Tennessee, and then they also go and beat Clemson. And now you think about it, South Carolina takes out Tennessee because Tennessee can't get in because they're not even in the SEC championship. Now they have two losses. Now Clemson's out because they have two losses. They're in the ACC championship, but there's no way you're going to get in over, say, Alabama, Ohio State. So, I mean, there is that problem right there with that because now Clemson's got the two losses. There was still a little bit of hope. Like, there was not very much hope, but there was a slight hope that maybe uh, Clemson could get in because of the one loss and they win the ACC championship and maybe a team falls like USC or even, say, TCU falls. Then there's that chance they, they could get in. So now there's no chance for Clemson to get in. They might be looking at the Con Bowl. So that is where they sit. So thanks to South Carolina, two teams have been eliminated from the college football playoffs. And then, like I said, USC keeps winning. They handled uh, number 15 Notre Dame last Saturday, 38-27. They control their own destiny, folks. It is, it's simple as that. Listen, USC wins in the Pac-12 championship uh, tomorrow night on Friday in Las Vegas. They will get into the college football playoffs. That's how it works. If they lose, they're done. They're out because they've already got the one loss. They already lost to Utah. You can't lose to Utah twice. Listen, Utah is, I get it, a good team. They're a top 15 team, but you cannot lose to Utah twice and think you're going to get into the college football playoffs, especially when you're in the Pac-12. So they have to go and beat Utah Friday night, tomorrow night. And if they do that, they will be in. If TCU wins, they're in. If Georgia and uh, Michigan win, they're all in, and it's going to be an easy top four. No worries, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? So if these four win, they're in. There's no chances of this te- this happening and falling apart. So that's how it works, okay? That's how I feel it. And then the last game that we need to talk about is Kansas State. Kansas State and Kansas in the Sunflower Showdown. K-State handles business, and the reason it's a big thing is because K-State now plays against TCU once more. TCU already beat K-State once this year. Now it's K-State against TCU for the second time in Dallas. Can K-State blow, I would say, blow open the doors and take over for TCU? Can TCU hold on and win? It's it's tough, man. It's tough to win two games against the same opponent twice a year. Just look at the NFL, okay? Not very many teams can beat in, in division rivalries twice a year. So that's the problem. It's even harder to do it three times. Luckily, they're not playing for a third time. They're playing for a second time. 
The first time TCU had a comeback and win, obviously we remember, uh, if you don't remember, K-State lost their quarterback Martinez during that game, so there could have been that of an issue too, but it's going to be a tough battle, you know it is. Luckily, TCU, I think, as much as we want to talk about Kansas State, how they've looked, Kansas State has looked at times a little bit inconsistent. TCU, on the other hand, has won every single game. I don't care if you say they've been inconsistent, they've won every single game. They have led when the clock hit zero, so they are playing at a pace where everything should be going their way, and they had an easier matchup than K-State did last week. If if you think about it, TCU went and beat Iowa State pretty handily, folks. They went and beat Iowa State last week pretty handily, and then you have K-State who, I mean, they handled they handled Kansas 47-27, but it got close at uh, right be, uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was a 30, 35-27, and then that's when it finally opened for K-State to take over. So I, I, I won't say that, oh, wow, K-State had it easy with Kansas. They didn't, and because that's obviously a, sun, a Sunflower showdown, so that's where it comes down to that. So I think when it comes to those matchups, it's going to be crazy. We'll see how it goes. Now, when we move on to what the top four, top six, I should say, look like, because we want to look at the top uh, six. You have number one, obviously, Georgia. Two, Michigan. Michigan moves up to th- uh, from three. You have TCU, who finally gets past the four spot. USC's at four. Five's Ohio State, and six, Alabama. If I'm TCU, I'm so okay with what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, Michigan's looked really good, but you don't want to face uh, Georgia in the first round. Listen, you have a better shot against Michigan than you do Georgia. I don't care what people say. You have the most opportunistic chance against Michigan. And that is why it is going uh, like it's going to work very well. So that's the problem right there with that. And so now we look at uh, five is Ohio State and six is Alabama. And so here's the question is, say, uh, my biggest question is, my personal opinion, I think all three teams, Michigan, Georgia, TCU, those three teams, so they're all undefeated, they should, I especially, especially obviously the top two are going to get this way, but I think TCU deserves the thing where if they only lose by one possession, they don't lose the top four spot. If they lose, they move down to four, obviously. But you cannot tell me if TCU plays a close game against a K-State team they've already beat once, and they lose by one possession to K-State, they fall out. I still think they're better than Ohio State. I don't see Alabama being, I get it that they're better, if you want to say uh, star-wise, recruiting-wise, that Ohio State and Alabama are better because of TCU, but their production on the field has not transitioned to what TCU has done. I get it, TCU's had a pretty weak schedule. I don't care. TCU has not had that week of a schedule, per se. They went to Texas and beat Texas. They've beat Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma is not the same. They've beat Oklahoma State. They beat Kansas. They've beat K-State already once. So that's the thing. Like, I don't get why if TCU loses that they fall out, but when Georgia and when uh, Michigan could possibly lose, they're going to be fine. Now, with USC, they, they lose, they're out because they've already got the one loss. You can't lose to Utah twice. So, But then here comes the question, do you put Ohio State or Alabama in? And I, I've been I've been arguing myself with this because, okay, Ohio State got blown out by Michigan. Got that. Yeah, I get that. But you have Alabama who's lost two games by a total of five points, but they've never they haven't beat a top-10 team. So that's that's the thing. Like, I get they've they, it's it's tough because Alabama has two losses, but they've their two losses are LSU, which I get were on the road, and they lost to Tennessee, which was on the road as well. I get those are two losses on the road. Ohio State got blown out at home. I just don't think you can give Alabama that four spot if USC loses. I think you give it to Ohio State. Like I just I think Ohio State gets it. So that's where it's gonna fall. Like that's how I see it happening. Mike, my biggest, my biggest, my biggest thing is, is like, how do we perceive uh, perce- how it, what's going to happen happen here? When I believe if all four teams win, they're obviously in. If the first two lose, that's fine. They're all going to stay. If the first two Georgia, Michigan lose, TCU, USC win, then somehow, some way, I believe TCU's the one. Like that's how it is. I don't see both Michigan and. Georgia losing, but if both of them do lose, then you have TCU who wins, they get the one. Then everyone's going to be like, what the heck? Yeah. So that's where the thing is, is you have to, you have to be like that. You have to be ready for some craziness. But I think, I think, I think if the top four, I think the top four can handle their business and they will win and they're going to get in to 
the top four, and that's going to be the college football playoffs. You're going to have Georgia versus USC, Michigan versus TCU, and then obviously the winners play each other. So that's how I like it, and I think it's going to happen like that. Now, some games to watch. Obviously, it's championship weekend, so you should watch all of them, but obviously not. So you have Utah versus USC, Pac-12 championship, like I said, Friday night. Huge implications. All these games mostly have huge implications. So yeah, if Utah wins, USC gets knocked out of the college football playoffs. USC wins, they stay in. Then you have Kansas State versus TCU at 11 a.m., man. That's going to be a huge game. Like I said, TCU has to win, it seems like, if they want to stay in the college football playoffs. I think they can handle business. It's going to be tough. UCF versus Tulane. Listen, no one's going to talk about it, but I think this is a better game than Georgia versus LSU at the same slot at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I would rather watch this game. These offenses are high-powered, flying offenses. Think about it. Tulane went to Cincinnati, beat Cincinnati to get here, and they're hosting the American Championship. So that's going to be great in New Orleans. That place is going to be rocking. UCF has always been a very good team of late. And then my upset. My upset of the week is got to be. It's got to be, folks. It's going to be North Carolina, 7.5-point underdog against Clemson in the ACC Championship. I think North Carolina beats Clemson and takes home the ACC Championship. So give me North Carolina to upset Clemson. That's how I feel it. All right, boys and girls, when we get back, we're talking college football. And, man, has the top 25 been changed around? People been saying to your friend, get a different face. And posting on their feed, they're super ugly. Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Okay, so five tacos of cheese and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10,000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Yo, 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 welcome back to Just Talking Sports right here on UCM The Beat. And now we're jumping in to the college basketball era. Boom, 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 shoot it up, make those shots, right? All right, man, there's been a lot that's happened in the last two weeks. Like I said, two weeks gone, you miss a lot when it comes to football and basketball and all the sports. So we're jumping right into the college basketball era. It's going to be great. I mean, think about this. You have a new number one since we last time talked. North Carolina is not there no more. It's Houston, folks. Houston is number one in the AP rankings for the first time since 1983. And guess what? Right behind them is Texas. So the top two teams are from Texas. Texas has looked brilliant 
in the first couple uh, weeks of college basketball. I mean, they took down Gonzaga, and I mean, they handled Gonzaga, and we'll get into Gonzaga in a little bit, but I mean, when Texas has been playing well, they've been playing great. They're both unbeaten. Huge game tonight. We'll get into that later for Texas, but I mean, Houston has just looked great. They have, I know it's not going to be tough competition for them, but in college basketball, here's the thing. College basketball is so divine between greatness and good. It's just like this, because you can be great, but if you have one bad night, you're going to lose. And so far, Houston and Texas have shown that they're going to be good. And if they play consistently like this throughout the year, they're not going to they're not going to lose very many games, especially close games. And I could see Houston floating around and being in the the top the top three for the whole college foot basketball season. So we'll see what Houston and Texas can do. But like I said, Texas has a huge, huge test tonight, and we'll get into that just a little bit. But another team that has looked really good. This year so far is Purdue. Purdue jumps 19 spots to number five after beating Gonzaga and Duke in back-to-back games. And when I mean they beat them, they beat them. They beat them by double digits, both those teams. So Purdue has looked really good. They, I know Gonzaga, Gonzaga, like like I said, I'll get into them in a minute. But one thing I want to say about Gonzaga is Gonzaga has to find an identity, and they haven't found that yet. Now with Duke, Duke's young, obviously new coach, no more Coach K. So Duke is still trying to figure out their ways with new coach. Obviously, he's the assistant from last year, but you still got to you got you got to figure it out a little bit, make some wrinkles. It's not going to be the the same quickness and adjustments like they had before. But I mean, when Purdue with Edie is going at it, I mean Edie is made himself such a way more balanced and better basketball player. When you're six ten, and you are now doing what he's doing, he could possibly win the best college basketball player in the nation award and it's just like this because when he gets the ball and you want to double him you can't really double him because if you double him he's just going to throw it over you usually when you double it, the guy can't throw it because he can't see but with Edie he can just look over you and just throw it because he's so tall so there's the problem with doubling him because then you're leaving someone open but not only that he still has his he still has the vision to pass because he ain't getting blocked by your hands or your body because he's so tall. And then, I mean, he barely has to jump to get it to the rim. So if he does a low block on you, you're not going to block him. And so the only thing that he has to do, ED-wise, is he has to stay out of foul trouble. If he stays out of foul trouble, Purdue is going to be in every game throughout the year because if he is out of foul trouble and he's playing leading games, he's going to be there to block shots. He's going to be there to get rebounds. He's just going to be there to make sure that not only is he a defensive person that's going to stop some big plays happening and make some block shots and get key rebounds, but he also can make some shots. I mean, he's got this nice little hook shot. He's made some beautiful layups, and, I mean, he's dunking over people. So as long as Edie stays healthy, one, but stays out of foul trouble throughout the season with games and stuff, he's going to be very fine, and he's going to look really good going down for the season. And Purdue might be one of those sleeper teams that no one saw coming at the beginning of the year. Another team that has looked really good is UConn. UConn, well, listen, UConn has looked really fascinating of late because you think about it is UConn looked good last year, but then they fell off a little bit at the end of the season and they never regrouped and found their way. But UConn now has jumped 12 spots to number eight. So they started at 20, but because they have uh, they have stayed on being one, but they've also beat uh, Alabama and Iowa State. They won the Maui invitation. Um, so that's that's huge right there. It's It's more like this. It's like... What will UConn do when it comes to times like this? Because here's the thing. UConn obviously isn't in one of those Power 5 conferences that everyone thinks you need to be in to be championship caliber. But here, it's also like this. When Alabama and Iowa State, who actually both beat North Carolina, which we'll be getting into in a minute, you have to recognize that, okay, wow, this team actually might be good. They're shooting the ball very well. And they're making consistent plays on defense that are making you think, well, what the heck is happening? Why is this team playing like this? Well, here's the thing. You put you put UConn in a defensive battle, they're going to win. You put them in a shootout, they're still going to probably win. Because the thing is, is this team is well-rounded, they're well-coached, their coach is awesome. I mean, he, he lights people under their your buttocks because he wants them to play with efficiency and high level of characteristics. And so that's why it's happening like this. And so when they're playing like they are, UConn is phenomenally playing better. They got to play sound defense throughout this uh, game. And the one thing they they need to work on is they have to play more of a uh, shooter's mindset because sometimes it feels like they get uh, contumate, uh, 
contempt, my bad. And that's where they play soft and they try to take the air out of the ball too soon and it allows teams to come back on them. So I feel like they got to play better when it comes to uh, late game management. Just keep playing your game until the final whistle. I don't I don't like when teams try to switch it up because they want to play safe. You got to play you got to play with your your instincts, you got to play with your guts, you got to play with your moxie. So you got to keep doing that and if UConn keeps doing that, they're going to they're going to be in the top 25 throughout the whole year. Now, a team that's going to be probably dropped out of the top 25 come next week is North Carolina. North Carolina dropped 17 spots to number 18 after being number one throughout the year last week because they lost to Iowa State and Alabama. Now, Alabama was in four overtimes. Crazy game. If you missed it, you missed one heck of a game. But not only did they lose those two, now they've lost three straight because last night they lost to Indiana in Indiana. And I get Indiana is a is a really good uh, basketball team. They are a very blue blood kind of scout team because they have that moxie in them and they they play with such what is it called like versatility I wouldn't say that they play with more of a mindset like hey we're gonna play like this and it, it's it's crazy how Indiana did what they did last night because that defense for Indiana last night was tremendous they were making they were playing defense it wasn't even a full court press it was like okay you get to this you get to the half court line we're gonna come at you the offense for North Carolina had to start at the baseline and when it got to the half court they had to find the open player because if they didn't they were going to get a steal or they were going to have a turnover and that's what happened with Indiana. Indiana got a lead early and it just never felt like North Carolina was going to catch up. The closest they ever got to Indiana was five in the second half. So North Carolina as much as we want to talk about okay hey North Carolina isn't the number one team we thought they were and they're not going to be that good. They're going to be fine. Here's the problem with North Carolina right now is injuries and they're still adjusting. They're a young team like they're not young uh, starters, but they're young as in they're young as in their their mindset. It looks like Caleb Love. I feel like is sometimes taking a step back at game in games because last year he was he was being that leader, and now Caleb Love sometimes is taking those shots where you don't want him to take shots because like they want to talk about like they were talking about last night um in the game is the coach he's like he's always like this he's like if you take a bad shot it's like a turnover and it turns into fast break and he's not wrong because if you take a bad shot and you don't get the rebound i get it that then it's a fast break for them so it is like a turnover because you got to take a good shot you have to have your rebounders ready your big men ready to get rebounds and if you take a bad shot no one's going to be ready for it a b it's probably going to be a really bad shot where now it leads to a fast break where now especially last night indiana was getting ahead and getting easy layups or dunks so i see where he's coming from but caleb love has to calm down a little bit it looks like he's trying to rush things he thinks I wouldn't say he thinks he's the best on the, the basketball court he just sometimes thinks he's the only one that can shoot it and so he needs to take a step back let RJ Davis maybe take some more shots and control the basketball and let him do some more off-balling I think I think Caleb Lemon needs to do some more off-balling and I think they're going to be just fine they've just got to get injuries have been hurting them so they got to get that back because Baycott last night was injured and so he didn't even play in the fourth overtime against Alabama on Sunday so that's a big key right there and so Baycott also got injured last night but he played through it but I mean still they're getting injured there's a couple other players on their team that are injured and so they've got to figure a way to get healthy and then they're going to figure it out together Hubert Davis is going to figure it out for them the coach so I, I mean North Carolina is going to be fine they're going to get to the tournament it's just whether or not what seed they're going to be and then Gonzaga. Gonzaga drops out of the top 10, and they're at number 14 with the two losses. So Gonzaga, like I said, Gonzaga has to find this identity. They're they're in an identity crisis because they still are trying to find this rotation. Obviously, Timmy's going to be in there, but they've got to find something because Timmy, as much as we want to talk about as a good player, his defense is not good, guys. His defense is really bad, and so like it showed against Edie when Purdue was playing him he couldn't guard he could not guard Edie and I mean it's a tough task for anybody to guard Edie but I was saying he he couldn't guard anyone and then in the Texas game he wasn't guarding either so he's got to be better when it comes to the defensive side and I know I know he's he's gonna figure maybe a little bit better at it come down the season and his offense overtakes how bad his defense is but if he they can't find a defense of Christ, if they can't figure out their defense, then they're going to be in a whole lot of trouble come, say, March. Because you know this team's going to make it to March, and they've just got to find a way to win games in close ways. They got blown out by Texas, and then Purdue put it on them pretty badly too. So they've got to find ways to win big games. So it's it's, it's, it's more of a moxie kind of thing. Can 
Gonzaga figure it out because their offense is going to be fine. They've got to figure out the rotation and they got to figure out what Timmy can do because Drew Timmy is an offensive machine, but his defense can be a liability at times, and that I think is what's hurting Gonzaga. And that they're a young team as well. They're not used to Mark Few's not used to a young young team like he has this year, and they're 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 off or excuse me their non conference schedule is one of the toughest ones they've probably ever had, and it's showing because they've played they've played some big time teams. I mean, they played Michigan State, they won that, and so. They've got to figure a way to figure it out. They got to they got to weather the storm from the non-conference because you know their conference schedule isn't that tough. You got BYU and St. Mary's, and that's about it. So once they get to that, they'll be fine. They just got to figure that way out, and so that's what they're gonna to have to do. So that's what's gonna happen there. Gonzaga's got to weather this non-conference uh, storm, and then when they get to conference play, they'll be fine. So we'll see what they can do there. Another team that's getting I wouldn't say a lot of talk, but some eyes like twitching a little bit is um is Missouri. Missouri is undefeated. They're eight and zero. But the problem is is they have not played anyone. They've played seven home games and one road game and that one road game was this week on Tuesday against Wichita State. They took to overtime and won. And so as much as I want to say, Oh wow, Mizzou's looking really good for basketball, we haven't played anyone to for me to say, Wow, I don't know what we're getting. I will say this though, our defense is insane. That defense for Mizzou is insane. They lead the going into this week, they led the uh, college basketball in steals, and so they they turn they turn you over a lot, and so it's going to be intense. They play uh, Southeast Missouri this week on Sunday, and then next week is the big game. And I mean, when I say next week is the big game, I mean next week is the big game. Saturday, December tenth, folks, is the big game in Columbia. Missouri, Kansas Jayhawks come to Como, and I bet that place will be rocking. Uh, Mizzou is, I wouldn't say is a good basketball team because we don't know what they are. Their 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 schedule so far has been weak, and I mean weak as in capital W, capital E, capital A, capital K, weak as weak. So I I can't tell you how good Mizzou is because they haven't played anyone. I liked how they came back against Wichita State to force overtime and win that game, but I still need to see some more out of them. Like I said, only one road game so far against Wichita State. So we'll see what happens there. And then some games to watch this week that I'm going to go over a little bit to that happened last night and then the rest. So uh, last night you had number five, uh, 25 Ohio State versus number 17 Duke. Duke won 81-72. It was a really good game. Ohio State never really got it close in the second half. And like I said, number 18 North Carolina lost to number 10 Indiana 77-65. Like I said, only five point. The closest North Carolina ever got was five points. It was just a very, very tight, uh, very well-rounded defensive game by Indiana. Those Hoosiers can do some stuff, and it'll be interesting to see how far they can climb in the uh, 25 rankings. Now tonight, tonight, like I said, is a big game. Like as in B I G capital letters. Like number seven Creighton, number seven Crane going up against number two Texas. And no one thought this like. Everyone thought it was going to be a good game for Crane because we didn't know what what to expect from Texas. But Texas, my friends, is a team, is a baller. So it's going to be a very good game. I honestly, I want, I think Crane can win this game. Crane's got more of an offensive moccasism, but since it is in uh, Austin, Texas, at Long in Longhorn Nation, baby. So I think Texas is going to win at home. If it was a neutral site, I think Crane could win this. But when you go on the road in college basketball in like these kind of matchups, it's insane. Those crowds go wild. So I'll take Texas to win that game. Then tomorrow night, yeah, 7 p.m., number 6 Baylor versus number 12 Gonzaga. Number 6 Baylor just got obliterated by Marquette at home, or at Marquette, I should say. They weren't at home, but they got obliterated by uh, Marquette by, I think, 20 eight points it was something like that it was it was bad guys it was bad and so Gonzaga like I said they've lost a couple games it'll be both bounce back games and I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes I think Gonzaga can win so it'll be it'll be a very good game then Friday another Friday night game you have number 16 Illinois versus number 22 Maryland that'll be a fun game to watch so we'll see what happens there both Big Ten so it's a it's a Big Ten conference game already for those guys I I think um Illinois will win. Illinois is gonna is gonna have a really good team this year, really good season, I believe. Sunday at twelve, Michigan versus number nineteen Kentucky. Michigan just played a hard fought game against Virginia. Kentucky, on the other hand, you got to think it's gonna be a weird season for Kentucky. I think Tennessee's the best team in the SEC. We'll see, but I think Kentucky will win that game. And then again, Texas again next Tuesday night, folks, six p.m. The number sixteen Illinois, who might be moved up or moved down depending on how they play against Maryland. 
against number two Texas, who also could be moved down because of a loss to Crane. But they play at Texas again. So Texas gets two huge games in the next week, and they're both at home. I think Texas wins both. They'll handle business, and I mean, like I said, I think Illinois is going to be a really good team this year, but it's something about going on the road that is very tough for opponents to do. Alrighty, folks, when we come back, we're going into the NFL. We're throwing touchdowns, folks. We got NFL to talk about. We got two weeks of football to talk about. Obviously, can't go over everything in that two-week span that happened, but I want to go over some big-time matchups that happened, some key takeaways that I've seen in the last two weeks, and I've got those power rankings like always for you. That's right here on UCM The Beat. Just talking sports with me, JT Noah. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. Also, don't forget your papers are being Great weekend. So how are your classes going? Pretty good. But ever since I started commuting this semester, I've had a hard time staying up to date with things going on at UCM. You should check out the Mule Skinner's online publication, digitalberg.com. The Mule Skinner? Isn't that just a print newspaper? Yeah, it is. But their website, digitalberg.com, stays up to date 24-7, bringing you the latest UCM news whenever you need it. Really? That's pretty cool. I have no idea. Digitalberg.com is your anytime, anywhere access to everything Mule Skinner and UCM News related. You don't want to be behind on the latest news. Digitalberg.com is your one-stop site for everything UCM and Warrensburg news related. See photos, videos, press releases, sports updates, and more at Digitalberg.com in conjunction with the Mule Skinner. What are you waiting for? Stop by now. Whoa, yo, yo, welcome back, guys. I'm telling you, NFL time, we're going to get right into it. And like I said, we got two weeks of work to talk about, but I'm only going to talk about like little things that happened two weeks ago. Then we're going to talk big about what happened last week in the NFL. So let's go back to week 11, which was two weeks ago, the weekend right bef- uh, the weekend after I had left. So right before Thanksgiving break, right before Thanksgiving, those big games, right? Yeah, the Eagles beat those, beat the Colts w- with a last-minute touchdown with a minute 20 left. Hurts did it. 17-16 win for the Eagles. The thing I took away from that game was the Colts, even though they're losing. Like, you you got you to gotta say something about the Colts here, folks. The Colts have looked like a different team with Saturday as their coach. And we can talk about how they we thought that hire was really odd and strange and it didn't make quite sense and it probably looked bad because of the Rodney rule and all that. But here's the thing. They've looked different with him. And I know Matt Ryan's not the quarterback, and I wonder if Jeff Saturday used his, I don't know, big voice and said, hey, I want Matt Ryan as my quarterback. I don't want Sam uh, Egginger. So that's where it's really coming from. So, I mean, it's just looked like the Colts have played differently with Jeff Saturday, and sometimes that's all you need. So as much as they lost, my biggest takeaway was, hey, these Colts are a different Colts team with Jeff Saturday So without Frank Wright. So that's what I got away from that. Uh, we also had the Cowboys destroy, and I mean destroy the Vikings 40-3. to uh, Cousins was sacked seven times by that Cowboys defense, and also the Vikings defense gave up 450 total yards. 58 total yards. 458, folks. That is a lot of yards to give up. Because I want you to understand something. A football field is 100 yards from end zone to end zone. Um, if you want to go back of the end zone to back of the end zone, it's, a, it's 120, okay? So they went 450. That is about mm, four and a half football fields, folks. They went four and a half football fields. Yeah, I just did that. I don't know how, but that's crazy. That is insane. Literally quite sad for the Vikings defense, if I would say. Um, then you had the Chiefs beat the uh, Los Angeles Chargers 30-27. to And once again, Patrick Mahomes does his thing. He's 14-0 on the road versus AFC West opponents. It's the second longest winning streak only behind Joe Montana's 20 games, which was in 1984-1993, folks. This is astonishing what he does. You know what's more astonishing? It's Travis Kelsey, too. This man, Travis Kelsey, had another hat trick game with three touchdowns. It was also the 34th game with 100 yards receiving, passing Rob Gronkowski for the most all-time as a tight end. Guys, Travis Kelsey... It's probably going to go down as hands down right now the best tight end to play in the NFL. 
I know Rob Gronkowski could say that as well, but his injuries limit him. So Travis Kelsey is taking the honor, and it's crazy to think. Think about this, folks. I think it goes under the radar what has what the Chiefs have as tight ends. You have Tony Gonzalez, you have Travis Kelsey now. Tony Gonzalez is in the, the Hall of Fame. Kelsey's going to go in the Hall of Fame as well. Now, obviously, they p- both play different kind of styles of football, and the football style back in the day when Tony was playing was very different. And obviously, Tony has somewhat a bad reputation for what happened with him leaving and that stuff when he went to Atlanta. I have no hard feelings against the man, but some people still do. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why. It was a business decision. It's a business, folks. You do what you want to do. And so I, I still love Tony Gonzalez. I think Tony Gonzalez is one of the probably is the best tight end like when you think of top tight ends I think there's uh you have a lot of players you can think of but like right off my head you think of like before you want to say Kelsey you have you obviously have Rob Gronkowski you have Shannon Sharp Tony Gonzalez um Dave Casper I mean you just you 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 name these players and you think about them it's just like this that is insane to me folks so like we can talk all we want I mean it's crazy. You still have Greg Olson, who's now a great commentator for Fox. So, like, those like those guys are not, like, obviously some of them aren't, like, top tier. But I'm just saying, there is a lot of good talent that come from the tight end. And the, the Chiefs have had two, probably the two best, or at least two of the three top best tight ends in the 2000s to play for them. So, that's where I'm just standing with that. So, the Chiefs, once again, they win um, against the Chargers in L.A., 30-27. to What's new, right? They never lose... Like I said, to AFC West opponents on the road, and it just—it's just—it's just, it's crazy how everyone thought the West was going to be so tough for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs could finish in the three or four spot. And guess what? Their kid clinched the division. Say next week, crazy, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right, let's move on to Week 12, which was last weekend, folks. Last weekend was wild, and when I mean wild, wild. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's start with one of the one of the better sloppy games. You want to say like. It was kind of sloppy, but it was still one of the better games because it was a rematch of last year with the one seed, uh, Tennessee, and Cincinnati, which happened. So Cincinnati, once again, beats the Tennessee Titans. So it happened back-to-back times. Wow. They've won. Bengals beat them in the playoffs, and now they beat them this year. Bengals win 20-16. to The crazy thing is, is the Bengals didn't have Mixon or Chase playing, and they held Henry to 38 yards running, and they held Tennessee into a total of 63 yards on the ground. And... uh. Even with Mixon and Chase out, they still the Bengals still ran for 108 yards and passed for 270 yards. So their offense is going to be fine. Like I think people don't understand. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. Like I think Joe Burrow would have done so well his first year as a quarterback if he had an offensive line. Like I don't think people understand that he didn't have an offensive line. And he was a rookie. He was adjusting. And you can say, yeah, he didn't have that many wide receivers. But, I mean, he still had some wide receivers. I just feel like the offensive line wasn't there. And they, they revamped the offensive line last year a very little. But they had Jamar Chase there, which makes a huge difference. Because he is like, he he can make a big play out of nothing. Like Tyreek Hill and Justin, Just, Justin Jefferson. So, those kind of guys are huge key plays. Because you can throw the ball five yards and he'll take it 65. So, that's why Chase was such a big pickup. I honestly thought they were going to take offensive linemen. And they went Chase and... Boy, did they prove every wrong, everyone wrong that thought they should go offensive line. So the Bengals win 20-16. to 16. They look good. They still are second in the North, but I still think they're going to win the North. I think I think they kind of have like, I would say they, I feel like they control the North more than the Ravens do because the Bengals are more consistent than the Ravens. The next game that was a surprise was the Browns beat the Bucks in overtime uh, 23-17. I, I, I just, the NFC South is astonishing to me folks how in the world are all these teams under 500 it's usually the nfc east we call the least and now it's the nfc south that are sinking ships folks you have the panthers falcons saints and bucks and the crazy thing is is the same uh, the the falcons and bucks are playing around so much with their food that the saints somehow possibly still could win this division and i still i i had the saints winning this division so if I mean, if they want to win the division, that'd be cool, but I don't think they can because I don't think they have a consistent quarterback the Saints do. I still think the Bucks can and will win this division just because of Tom Brady, but I don't think they're going to make it far in the playoffs. They may get one game and they might lose because the NFC, as much as we want to talk about it, they are really they're really strong, and it's wide open. Uh, it's kind of like this. I think... Um, Let's let's name a team that could beat the Bucks, okay? That could get into the wild card spot. Let's go. I think the Seahawks could beat the Bucks. I know they lost to the Bucks, but I still think they could beat the Bucks. 
So I would do that. I think the Cowboys could beat the Bucks. I almost want to say the Giants could beat the Bucks. So those are teams that I could see winning because you got to think. You think Cowboys are probably getting into the playoffs with uh, a wild card spot at least if they don't win the the division, overtake the Eagles. I think the Seahawks still could make the uh, the wild card spot. The Giants could make the wild card spot. Don't sleep on Washington, folks. The Commanders and the Commanders played. Uh, Tampa Bay pretty hard a couple years ago in the playoffs. So with Tyler uh, Tyler Heineke. So Heineke's looked really well for the Commanders. So you could also take that as well. So the Browns threw for 210 yards and ran for 189. It was a very balanced game. And the Browns get back. Uh, Browns get Deshaun Watson back as much as we probably don't uh, agree with the ruling or the suspension. You got to get over it. He's back this week. He's going to Texas. He was playing against the Houston Texans this week. The Browns are. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. I think, it, honestly, it's going to be a very weird week for the Browns because there's going to be so much talk, so much news about Deshaun Watson playing that they could honestly really play down to the Texans. Luckily, it is the Texans they're playing, so I don't think they're going to lose to the Texans. But if it was in another team, I could see the Browns losing this game just because of all the off-the-field talk that's going to happen and having a quarterback coming in with like a playbook, I get he's been practicing and stuff, but still, it's it, it's going to be weird. And I, I I mean, it'll be interesting. But since they're playing the Texans, I would still take the Browns to win. It's just going to be way closer than people think. Then you had the Jags beat the Ravens twenty twenty seven. I love my boy Doug Doug going for it right there, guys. You got to I, I love him going for the two point conversion there to take the lead over the Ravens and forcing the Ravens their hand, and they did that. The Ravens to me are so inconsistent, folks. Like I, it's an, it's an incredible. And, and the other thing is, is the Ravens couldn't find the end zone until the fourth quarter. They had four field goals before that. Think about that. And we could talk about the Chiefs and all the one, going one for five in the red zone. But, I mean, for touchdowns at least. Um, but that was really bad. I mean, you, you understand the Ravens are so inconsistent. Like, that, that, that's the problem right now. They were up 19-10, to 10 and they blew it. So, I get it, It's crazy to me. So, I think the North is since he's to lose. I, I just I trust Cincinnati way more. Joe Burrow playing well, getting Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon back, and that defense for the Bengals is really good. The 49ers beat the Saints 13-0. The 49ers haven't given up a single point in the second half in three straight games, folks. Three straight games, zero points in the second half. The 49ers defense is good, folks. Can you tell me otherwise? You can't. That's why. Um, the best defense in the NFL, like I said, and the only thing that worries me about the 49ers is can their offense be consistent enough? Because that's the problem right now, folks. You got to be consistent. And their offense, one week, two weeks ago, I should say, against the Cardinals, looked great. Garoppolo throws three touchdowns this week against the Saints. And the Saints are a way better defense than the Cardinals, I will say that. Only one touchdown, and they kicked a couple field goals and only scored 13 points. Can they find rhythm on offense? All they got to do is not th- turn over the football, and I still think they'll win because I think the 49ers' defense could score a, probably a touchdown a game, and they would win. So that's where I stand with the 49ers. I love the 49ers, and that's why I've always been high on them this year, folks. I've been high on them probably since week two, folks. That's how it is, okay? Just listen to me next time, okay? That's how you do it. <laughs> All righty. Uh, what should Green Bay... Here's another thing. What should Green Bay do with uh, the boy A.A.Ron? Aaron Rodgers, Okay. So here's what here's 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 three possibilities. You play Jordan Love and let Rodgers heal because he is injured. He has some problems with his uh, ribs. He has a a uh, broken broken thumb. You could trade Rodgers at the end of the season. So you you let him play a little bit, and then you trade him, or you play Rodgers until playoff hopes are gone, and then you see what you have with Love. Because we don't know what you have with Love, Green Bay, because you don't play Love. So that's the problem right now. So here, yeah, that's what we got to do. I think they're gonna play Rodgers till. Playoff hopes are done, and then they play love because I don't think Rodgers is going to let them sit Rodgers. So that's how I think it's going to go. But yeah, I, I, they, they're in a sticky situation, but I think you got to let love play at some point this season. Alrighty, let's get into my top 10 power rankings. And boy, oh boy, um, this is hard. These are really hard when teams are not very good and they're inconsistent, right? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. All right, let's start it off with number 10. You have the New York Jets. Not they were not ranked the last time we did these. They're seven and four. They are four and one on the road and ranked fourth in scoring defense. And they're six and zero in scoring at least eighteen points, folks. When they score eighteen, they are undefeated. That defense is brilliant. If you ask the Broncos, their defense is really good too, but their offense is not as good as the Jets. And I don't understand how. Like I don't think you go back to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was benched, so I don't think you go back to Wilson. You just let Mike White do what he's doing and let him play. At number nine, you have the Tennessee Titans, and they didn't move in the last two weeks just because they they lost to Cincinnati, and as much as they should have beat Cincinnati without Chase and Mixon, I still like the Tennessee Titans. They have a really good head coach. Um, 
They have a two-game lead over the Colts. Their pass game has looked better over the last two weeks. I mean, Burks has come back, and they've looked really better. Also, Tannehill's back, so that's how. And their defense hasn't allowed their opponent to score over 20 points in the last 18 weeks. That's incredible, folks. Just think about that. They've lost two of those games, too, because you lost to the Chiefs, and then you've lost to Cincinnati. So your offense has got to find a little bit more rhythm there. But other than that, that's fine. Then you have the Minnesota Vikings. I have them at number eight. They fell from two. They're nine and two now, but they got destroyed and obliterated by the Dallas Cowboys. They have the seventh easiest schedule left. Their defense can be shaky at times, though. That's just scary. And I still think they have one of probably the top two. They have a top two wide receiver on their team. And the top one is out for the season, it seems like, for the Rams and Cooper Cup. So they might have number one now. Number seven is Cincinnati. They were number eight. They're seven and four. They rank fourth in the NFL points per drive and offensive points per game. And they have the AFC's best net touchdown differential at plus 13. So they're scoring touchdowns, folks. They're not taking field goals. They're kicking those. They're taking touchdowns, and they're doing their thing with touchdowns. Number six is the Buffalo Bills, number five. They were at number five last time. Here's the thing. Buffalo is not look good, and we'll talk about Buffalo in a minute because I got some stuff for them. Uh, they haven't looked good. They played two games in Detroit and one back-to-back at Detroit because they had to host it for the snow game, which was sad, but it's whatever. Um, they were the, they're the first, there is the first time since 2016 that a team won back-to-back games in uh, Detroit. So, uh, it's kind of weird that Buffalo did that, <laughs> but they've looked shaky at times and their red zone turnovers have been an issue. Number five is the Dallas Cowboys. They weren't ranked for me. They're eight and three. They have a run game. And they can control that controls the game, and they have an improved passing game. I mean, C.D. Lamb's look good. Dak Prescott, I think, is improving his his skills a little bit. And I mean, their defense can just get after the quarterback. They're going to sack you and sack you. Just ask Kirk Cousins. I think he's still getting sacked by them. <laughs> uh, number four, the Miami Dolphins. They were number five for me in two weeks ago. They have put themselves in a prime position to win the the uh, AFC East. I'm just saying, man. Miami's looked really good, and their schedule. But the, but the thing is, is their schedule does get harder. Like, their schedule tremendously gets harder, and it starts this week with the 49ers. They still have the Bills to play one more time. You still have the Patriots and the Jets. I mean, the Jets have looked pretty weird. So, their schedule does get a little harder, but they have not lost with Tua when he starts and finishes a game. San Francisco is at number three. Uh, best defense in the league. I don't care what you people say. Have all the pros everywhere. Uh, they have all pros. They have all pros. Like, they have all pros. Obviously, they're all pros. But they have all pros everywhere on their team. Running back. The only position is quarterback. <laughs> um, and they're only going to get help uh, better and hopefully healthier. Hopefully, folks. They need to get healthier. Because if they get healthier, they're the best team in the NFC. Sorry, Philadelphia. But number two, Philadelphia is number two. They were at number three two weeks ago. They're 10-1. Their offense can play in any weather. I mean, that offensive line is uh, ferocious. Their defense leads the league in takeaways, and they have a very deep and well-rounded team. Just think about it. They go out and get two big men after Jordan Davis gets hurt. They bring in Limvel Joseph and then Dominic Sue. So, yeah, they're doing, they're doing their thing over there and getting their, their positions ready. And I think Philadelphia is... The only thing that worries me is uh, me and my professor, Joe Moore, shout out to you, Joe, um, we were talking, you can't consistently do what he was doing uh, against the teams, uh, the Packers, Sunday night, where he's running, Jalen Hurts, that is, running with the football and getting banged and hit hard like he was. So that's the only thing I would say about the Philadelphia Eagles is they got to make sure Jalen Hurts ain't running the ball as much. And at number one, no surprise here, folks, the Kansas City Chiefs, 9-2, and two, winners of five straight, and have won in different ways. I mean, it was an ugly game against the Rams, and they still won by 16. I get it. And maybe it's different if Matthew Stafford was playing, but maybe the Chiefs played differently if Matthew Stafford is playing this too. So that's what I'm saying about that. Mahomes is the MVP front, run, uh, front runner, and Mahomes has thrown over 300 yards in six straight games, folks. So, yeah, I believe uh, the Chiefs right now are the best team, and their defense is better than it has been in past years, and their offense still has position players everywhere the only thing that is uh sketchy is their special teams at times which is unusual for a chiefs team uh but they're taking sky more off the of punt returns they've announced and they're hoping when uh tuny gets back or excuse me uh cardarius tony gets back he'll be the punt returner but right now it looks like it's gonna be either justin watson or mcduffie the first round uh the first pick so that's how it looks right now for them uh, so that's the only thing that's sketchy me and hey bucker hasn't missed a pat in a while so that's cool right right all right, so games to watch, folks. Games to watch and upsets. The first game to watch is that Tynes versus Eagles. The Eagles are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. See, it's funny because the Tynes always feel like they have the Eagles number, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I just don't get it, man. I, I don't know. Maybe the Tynes like the Kelsey brothers or something because they always give the Chiefs a hard time, and they always seem like they give the Eagles a hard time. So it's going to be a close game. I think the Eagles win, but I think Tynes cover. 
I'm going to say, I'll say 24-20, Eagles win. Jets versus Vikings. Vikings are only a three-point favorite. And here's the thing. The, the Vikings have to get 20-yard-plus plays. They like big plays. When they get big plays, they win. But when they don't, they don't win. So can the Jets, with that really good defense, hold the Vikings down? I think they can. It, something tells me Vegas knows something. It's always about Vegas, folks. It's always about Vegas. Um, So I, I like the Vikings to win. But Kirk Cousins does scare me. Kirk Cousins won a primetime game, folks, last week on Thanksgiving. So proud proud of him. He's making steps this year. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take the Vikings to win. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this is the first time the Jets are going to lose when they give up over 18 points. Um, they're going to lose 20, oh man, I don't know, 27-20, 27-20, yeah. This is going to be the first time they're going to lose when they score over 16, or 18 points. Wow, that's crazy. All righty. Dolphins versus 49ers, another great game. You got that great defense for the 49ers versus that offense that can go everywhere and throw and run all over the place. I like the 49ers to win. I know the Miami Dolphins defense is really good. I mean, they're they're all right. Let's not go really good, folks. They're all right. But um I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do something special. I think George Kittle is going to find ways to beat this defense. I think it's George Kittle's uh, come out party here. He hasn't had a very big season this year, and I think George Kittle is going to have a really good season uh, game this week. Give me the 49ers to win in a really really weird game. I think it's going to be a low scoring game, which is not a very good thing for the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to take the 49ers to win 20, 23 to 16. Yeah. That, that that Dolphins team is not going to score many points, I don't think. All right, then you have the Chiefs versus the Bengals. The Chiefs are a two-point favorite over the Bengals at Cincinnati. Remember, Cincinnati beat them both times last year, once in Cincinnati in the regular season, and then in Arrowhead, of course, in the AFC Championship, coming back from that halftime deficit. I, I, I don't know why I, I believe this, and I could be totally wrong, but I think the Chiefs are going to... Um, what should I say here? How should I say this? They're going to put something together and put it on the Bengals. I think the Chiefs are going to revenge both losses. I They, they could have won both games. They should have won both games last year, and they didn't. So I, I'm not scared by the results of last year. More upset because I felt they should have won. The Chiefs should have. So that's why I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game 31-23. to 23. Yeah, 31-23. Chiefs are going to win. I, I, I just think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. And I don't care what people say. And I'm, I'm specifically talking to my man, Graham. Graham Sutherland over here, folks. He's a huge um, Steelers fan. So he has no room to talk. I'm sorry, Graham. I'm calling you out like this. But um, he believes uh, that the Chiefs are uh, a little bit overrated. Overrated, folks. He thinks they're overrated. He doesn't like how I like to pick them. So that's rude, Graham. And I'm calling you out for that, okay? Get over it. Um, the Chiefs are better than the Steelers, by the way. <laughs> I know you know that, but that's okay. Um but yeah, I think the Chiefs win 31-23. And all right, my upset of the week, folks. Upset of the week. Patriots tonight take down the Bills. And I know Bill Belichick has had his time in troubles with Josh Allen. But for some reason, this year feels like the year that my man Bill Belichick figures his way around and beats Josh Allen. Patriots are a three-and-a-half point underdog. And I think, I think it's also that my man... Um, uh, my man's going to the game. Kevin Bennett is going to the game, so shout out to Kevin as well. He's flying there right now to go watch his Patriots play. He's a huge Patriots fan. He's a true Patriots fan, not a Tom Brady fan. Yeah, he is a Tom Brady fan, but he's also a true Patriots fan. So I think Kevin being there is going to give him some juice. Uh, I'll, I'll shout that out. Give the Patriots. I think the Patriots win, folks. They're going to hold the rooster down. They're going to win 20 to 17 over these Bills. I don't know why, but in Josh Allen, I'm saying this right now, is going to have at least one interception, one. And it could be two. I will say probably more than likely that one interception is going to be in the red zone because he loves to give out red zone interceptions. <laughs> That's how it is, man. So I have the Eagles beating the Titans, but Titans covering. I have the Vikings winning, the 49ers winning, the Chiefs winning, and, of course, the upset of the week, folks, the Patriots over Bills. That's tonight, folks. Watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, I know if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can't watch it, but you should go watch it because it's going to be a really good game. I think it's one of the better games that uh, Thursday Night Football has finally had on Amazon Prime because Amazon Prime has not had very many good games. Um, I will say this, though, uh, uh, as the clock is expiring, folks, um, it's been a pleasure to bring you sports 
and my beautiful voice and all my chit-chat that I bring you every week besides one so far this uh, semester. It's been real fun. And sadly, it is my, my last one of the year. Next week is finals. Then we go on break, and then we come back. And so I will be back next year, next semester as well. I will be back next semester to bring you Just Talking Sports. But I will say it will be changed. I do believe I'm looking at moving it to Wednesdays because of my schedule for school. Uh, so it works best for my school like that. So as sad as sad it is, is, this is my last one of the year. I will be back next January, so in just a month, I will be back to bring you more Just Talking Sports, and like I said, it might be on Wednesdays next year, or next uh, time you hear me, and I'll let y'all know on my social medias, you know, so I'll let y'all know right there, okay, but for the last time this 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 year, in this semester, I'm JT Noah with Just Talking Sports, you're listening to it on UCM The Beat, you guys have a great one. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you. It's been a pleasure, like I said, to talk and hopefully you listening to my beautiful voice. But until January, I will talk to you and catch you all next time. Peace.